Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. Thank you for joining us for the program. To be clean, amazing thing to be clean. Only really when you know that you're not clean does it become so valuable. You shower every day and it's your, your habit to do that. Suddenly you're in a place where you can't wash for a period of time. There's no water to do it. There's no shower to do it. Maybe if you're a city person, you go camping. And you can't wash over a period of time. And you realize you just, that feeling, that grimy feeling, the ability then to get into a hot shower and change into clean clothes. It's so refreshing, isn't it? Well, here, listen to this clip, defining the difference between sin and sins. Because it's very important we understand that and give a distinction between those two things in order for us to have our conscience cleansed and for us to be spiritually clean. Turning your Bibles to 1 John tonight. To 1 John. The Epistle of John is noted for three beautiful things that characterize our Lord, and that is life, light, and love. These three L's, God's life, and God's life that loves, and God's life that loves, that becomes light. Light, in order for love to penetrate, and life to create. So the epistle of John, dealing with life, love, and light, becomes a very practical book, getting into the very foundations of what the Lord Jesus Christ is all about and how he would minister to every one of us as we begin to grow in him. And in the first chapter, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. The first verse talks about embracing, handling, and seeing the Lord, as the Apostle John did, but how that it all resulted in becoming the word of life. Not just a doctrine, but a word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. The purpose of the manifestation and the fellowship of the believers with one another through Jesus Christ was that their joy might be full. This then is the message which we've heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. He is light and in him is no darkness at all. 
If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not ours only, but for also for the sins of the whole world. Now in this portion in the Word of God, it is dealing with light and life and love and how to abide in the Word so that all three are apparent as the fruit of that abiding. Many, many people have no problem in definition of some sins, but they have tremendous problem in definition of sin. They understand that sin is the root and sins are the fruit. They understand that sin is the cause and sins are the productions. They understand that the old nature is singular and what it produces is plural. But the problem becomes greater when they don't understand that anything that is not of faith is sin. In Romans 14:23b. Now then, if anything that is not of faith is sin, then sin is something that the person abides in rather than the word of life, which gives him light because of love. So this is what takes place very subtly and very cleverly if a person doesn't have the right kind of a ministry, the right kind of a pastor, hasn't taught to be the right kind of a head, and doesn't understand true leadership. You can enter into group persuasion, personality uh, enticement, instead of the understanding of the Word of God pertaining to life and love and light in terms of fellowshipping with Christ. This is what I mean. Let's say now that a person never enter in, enters into the filthiness of the sins of the flesh overtly, but is stubborn, rebellious, a lack of humility, cannot be entreated because he abides in the singularity of sin itself. In other words, his standards are standards because of his selfishness. His rules are what they are because of selfishness. His lack of forgiveness and kindness and love is because of selfishness. It's one thing for God to root out something and to have it go. It's another thing how we respond when God points it out and will we let it go. Conviction will point it out and the power of Calvary will root it out and our fellowship will keep it out. 
the serious dilemma that is in the body of Jesus Christ ever since Cain built a city from the presence of God in Genesis 4.16, ever since the Tower of Babel was established in Genesis 11, and throughout all of ancient church history and modern church history right up to the 20th century, the problem is People do not have a lot of problems defining their sin. But they're very reluctant to face their sin in the root sense, in the motive sense. And that's why we have divisions. And that's why the Spirit of God cannot come in with life, light and love to bring a fellowship where cleansing is always present and fellowship is always apparent and manifestation is always a production. Now, when verse 5 says, This then is the message that we've heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And notice the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, God isn't dealing here at this point with sin. He's dealing with sin. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And here we have the psychology of God cleansing sin, not forgiving sin. Now, God will forgive sin, but the tremendous need after that is for God to cleanse from sin. Now, what does it really mean when it says, that we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, in Psalm 51.5, we were conceived in sin. That is, we chose to follow Adam and we were rooted in, in his fallen nature. So, we choose to live in that sin nature until we accepted Christ and forsook our sin and became a born-again Christian. Then when sin reigns without producing certain sins, a man or a woman will be deceived as to what sin is. Now, this is the problem. Let's say here's 25,000 preachers and 500,000 Christians that do not think they're committing any bad sins. You know why? Because they're not committing the sins that they think are bad. But you know what they're doing? They haven't been cleansed from sin. I didn't say they had not been saved. I said they had not been cleansed with sin so they can fellowship with other believers who have accepted Christ as their Savior. So they don't have fellowship one with another because they don't walk in the light of the life through the love that cleanses from all, from all, from all sin. 
Now, everybody knows the absolutes of sin, but I'll tell you what, everybody doesn't understand the seriousness of sin in the root. Everybody knows that robbing a bank is wrong. Stealing is wrong. Adultery is wrong. Lying is wrong. These are sins. There's no question about that. And if a person continues to live in those, he is not or she is not saved, they'll go to hell. There's no question about that. The Bible says so. There's no eternal security that can keep a person that lives in sin sins like that from hell. It's impossible. I don't care if they profess Christ 89 years and having their 90th Christian birthday. If they're living in those kind of sins and practice them and can get by with it without getting spanked, they're not saved. That's, that's simple because that's what the Bible teaches in Galatians 5, 19 and 20 throughout the entire Scriptures. But, let's say a person repents of those kind of sins but never really gets humble and meek pertaining to his sin. That is, he never gets sensitive as to what he's doing pertaining to the old nature and the root and the rule of the flesh that doesn't produce those kind of sins, but doesn't live in the love of God through cleansing in fellowship with other believers. Listen carefully. Literally thousands of professing believers tonight, watch it now, are living in sin. They don't commit adultery. They don't take a drink. They do not smoke. They do not dance. They do not go to movies. They do not deliberately steal or lie. But they're living in sin. They profess Christ to be their Savior. They tithe their income. They go to church. They believe they're standing for God, but they're living in sin. And watch it. Satan has robbed them in John 10 and robbed them of fellowship, robbed them of what? Life, love, and light through revelation of God's reality. Oh, they don't have any conviction of overt sins as we think of them, but they don't have any inner power and joy and liberty from being free from sin as a root cause or just plain self. Paul's problem, I do not believe, was because he had a problem with over sin. But he has a problem. He had a problem with self trying to keep the law of God without thanking God that it was already done. And he called himself wretched for his inability to respond to God's grace and finished work. And that's why the tempo changed in Romans 7 to Romans 8, 1 and onward. Now, what is the serious condition then? All right, think of it closely with me. We know we've passed from death unto life. From death unto what? Life. What are we talking about? Life, love, and light. 1 John 3.14 We know, we're positive, we pass from death unto life if we love the brethren because that's what God's life is, love. So if we love the brethren, 
we know that we pass from death unto life. Why? Because we're able to have the light of the Word of God reveal the love of God's life toward somebody we can see on earth who hasn't gone to heaven yet, and therefore they're not perfect. Thank you for tuning in. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com. That was so good, wasn't it? In 1 John 1, nine, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And really, given the definition there, we understand that sins are the act of, of sinning. That we have a way to go to God and be cleansed from those actions. And it's very important that we do that to keep a short account of our sin before God, to make sure that we're on the same page as God, and to confess, homo logeo, our sins. Homo logeo is a great word. It's, it's at logos, is the word there is for meaning. Homo logeos, to being um, in agreement, in agreement about the meaning. And that confession, when we agree with God, when we agree with God about our actions, God is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness because of the work of Christ at the cross. And that blood has covered and blotted out our transgressions. And we can be cleansed, our conscience can, can be cleansed because of the blood of Jesus Christ. But to say that I have no sin, to say that the root of my old nature is not sinful, that I do not have a capacity to enter into sin, we, we are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. It's a nature. It's an old nature. When we come to Jesus Christ, when we believe in Jesus Christ, our spirit is ignited. We become new creatures in Christ. That we have a new nature that does not sin, that cannot sin. It is not infected by that old nature of sin. And therefore, when quickened by the Spirit and operating in love in this new nature, we do not sin, and our identity is never our sin. And so we can say that although we have a nature, God does not know us after that old nature of sinfulness. He knows us after the new nature, and we have that identity that's in Christ that God never knows us after our sin. Now, in John's Gospel, in the 13th chapter, there's a great portion and Jesus, in verse 4, he, he riseth from supper and lay aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not. But thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, 
thou hast no part in me. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and you are clean, but not all. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, Ye are not all clean. Yeah, what a great passage of scripture. Really, he's, and even that, even one of them was not clean. One of them was in their sin. They, they did not have a new identity in him. Judas never received Christ as a savior. He died and killed himself in his sin. But these others, they were bought with a price. They were, they were his. And they were saved. And they became disciples. They received the Spirit and the day of Pentecost. And we now, as believers, have received this Spirit in us. We want to have a capacity for this cleansing, don't we? Peter there, he didn't have a capacity. He, he didn't understand the necessity of it, of going to God. He didn't know. He thought that his association with God, his commitment to God, that equated a cleansing. But, but it isn't so. That that's one part of our life, but really this continuous dependence on God, where we have a capacity to be cleansed by him. When we know our identity is not sin any longer, although we are still saddled with, with a, a nature that we will continue to be saddled with for all the days of our life, either until our heart stops beating or we're taken up to heaven in the rapture. We don't know which will come first, but we do know that God is not going to take this old nature away while we're living in the world. That we can live in the new nature and that newness of life overcomes that old sin nature in the same way that aerodynamics overcomes gravity and flight is achieved. We fly with God living in a newness of life, still affected by gravity, but gravity doesn't control us. So we have a capacity to have our feet cleaned by Jesus Christ when we're humble and when we'll receive that cleansing by him and when we'll go to him when we fail and confess our sin because he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graceinpublic.com Now comes the part of our program, maybe the most important part, for anyone out there who does not know Christ as their Savior, who is not a believer. And to say you don't call yourself a Christian, maybe you do, maybe you don't. But there's a point in time when we give ourselves over, when, when we willfully receive the free gift of salvation that Christ has won for us on the cross, when we willfully become a child of God. God has no grandchildren he only has children, and the faith of our parents will not save us, though it may cover us to a point in our life where we can then make these decisions ourselves. Would you like to make a decision? You're not going to know what it's like. Just like a camper, <laughs> someone lost in the woods, someone not having access to that hot shower for a long, long time, and is grimy and filthy doesn't remember, barely remembers what it's like to be clean, and suddenly you're cleansed. You're able to 
be in that soapy hot water and be clean. Come now, there's soapy hot water for your soul, for your life. God has a desire that you would be clean. He's paid a high price so that you could come before him cleansed of sin. So pray a prayer with me. Lord, come into my life. Cleanse me. Make me whole. Make me new. I believe. I believe that your son died on a cross 2,000 years ago. He was buried. He rose from the grave. I don't understand all of it, but I do understand that he did that for me so that I could be clean. He became dirty that I could become clean. He bore my pain, my shame, so that I could be free from guilt. And I receive that gift of righteousness now. I pray, come into my life. Make me clean. Make me yours. I ask these things. I pray these things. In Jesus' matchless name, amen.